This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 25th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Ethanol subsidies can be blamed for many things, but Indor Goklani, author of the Cato book, The Improving State of the World, says rising global food prices can't be entirely laid at U.S. policymakers' feet. One of the major improvements we've seen in the human well-being since the end of World War II has been the fact that the number of hungry people around the world has actually declined, despite the fact that the population is much larger. Uh, Just after the Second World War, there were a lot of fears that there would be massive uh, famine and starvation around the world. And there were books written about the fact uh, that India and China were going to have massive starvation. There was a book called Famine, for example. It was written and, and, and it proclaimed, essentially, the end of those societies for practical purposes. But lo and behold, that didn't happen. What happened was societies started to produce more food. This was helped by the fact that there was a lot of technological change. The Green Revolution was taken to Asia and India and Bangladesh in particular adopted these. And because the amount of food production went up per capita, the prices came down. From the 50s to the early 2000s, the price of food globally dropped by 75%. Now we are seeing this trend turn itself around. Now, one of the, uh, what had happened was when food prices came down, it allowed people who were unable to purchase food, the people at the bottom of the economic ladder, they could now afford food. And because of that, there were fewer and fewer people going hungry. Because of that, uh, ch- ch- uh, children who were born were had a better weight, infant mortality went down, life expectancies went up, and so on. But since around 2000, uh, we have seen a little bit of a reversal. Grain prices have gone up again, and they've gone up so much that now we see uh, food riots in a variety of places. Uh, most recently, we've seen them in Haiti, where the prime minister got kicked out, and there were riots around the, uh, where people besieged the palace and so on. How did we come to this? How is it that we are at the verge of sacrificing gains of 50 years in just a few short years? The reason why this happened was the world has been spooked by the specter of global warming. And it has been so spooked that it, has, that it is implementing policies which are, in fact, going to be worse than the disease that they are planning to alleviate. In the United States and also in the European Union, there are massive subsidies for uh, biofuels. Ethanol in the United States and biodiesel in the EU. Because of this, there has been a rush on the part of farmers to convert food crops such as corn in the United States, uh, palm oil around the world, which is used for cooking uh, uh, all over Asia and even in Africa, All that stuff is now adding to the demand for food that is actually 
is increasing even without the help of the help of government subsidies the reason is india and china have become a lot more wealthy but will this with this wealth comes a greater demand for food and this demand for food coupled with the subsidies for biodiesel and ethanol have actually pushed the prices of food grains up okay so ethanol is not responsible entirely for uh, these increases just to make that clear that's right prices would have gone up and there's no doubt about that but actually a good part as i said a good part of the increase in prices is because india and china are more developed and they're wealthier there's not a whole lot we can do about it and in fact it's it's not clear to me that we want to do anything about it should we be de-developing india and china should we make those uh, people poorer so that their demand goes down no that's unethically uh, that's ethically uh, uh, not viable but we do have control over whether or not we subsidize the corn to be used for ethanol or whether palm oil should be used for biodiesel that is something we can control there is no ethical challenge in that and there's no reason given the fact that this is something we can indeed affect why we should be subsidizing these and and essentially if we had fewer subsidies then the pressure on prices would be reduced and there'd be fewer people going hungry now uh, f- food is a really strange object only a small diversion of food or reduction or, or, or reduction in supply increase the price of food by enormous amount and that's why even uh, uh, even though the demand for ethanol may not be responsible for all of it on the margin it makes a lot of difference there is the concern that ethanol is ineffective as a tool to fight uh, climate change to begin with yes there is a uh, there's a concern that ethanol uh, at least the current generation of uh, uh, of uh, ethanol production is not very efficient and there have been a lot of uh, arguments about whether or not it pays for itself you know whether there's an energy surplus uh, associated with the production of corn ethanol and we are assured that it may not be all that efficient today but future uh few uh, in in the future um ethanol production could become more efficient if we go to something called cellulosic uh, ethanol this is using grasses and f- other fibers and things like that which come from uh uh quote and quote biomass which is not consumed for food stuffs so the the notion being that that biomass is going to be converted to ethanol and lo and behold you will not be affecting food production that way i think that's a uh, i think that's actually um uh, uh an overly simplistic view of how the system works and the reason why i think this is overly simplistic is that if it turns out that we can indeed turn biomass efficiently into ethanol i i can't believe that the farmers will just be sitting around and saying hey listen 
if I can make uh, ethanol from biomass, which nobody has cultivated, which nobody has uh, tr uh, tried to make improvements in, I can do a better job. Farmers will get into the business of, of growing exactly that same biomass, but this time they'll do it as a crop. They will put fertilizers in it. They will run their tractors over it. They will take over the land and they will expand. They will improve the seeds for it. Therefore, it is inevitable that if you come up with new technology that converts biomass that is today considered to be useless, if there's technology that allows you to convert that into ethanol, somebody will get into that and they will try to make a good process even better. So you can rest assured that the farmers will come back. This time they won't grow corn, but this time they will grow whatever biomass and, and has been uh, selected for conversion into ethanol. So I don't think there's much to be gained from that. Ultimately, now you, when you say there's no, there's not much to be gained from that, you're talking about farmers who would nonetheless transition out of growing food crops into into growing other crops and use their land as for other purposes. Well, that's part of it. The other part of it is the fact that every time you convert land into agriculture, you're actually uh, putting it to human use, but at the same time, you're reducing the availability of that land for other species. And one of the things we have to recognize is that the greatest pressure on species and on biodiversity comes from the conversion of habitat into cropland. So, so from an environmental point of view, whether or not there is an energy surplus going to be created by new technologies to convert biomass into ethanol, it is not clear that you're actually going to be ahead from an ecological point of view. Because what you're doing is you're converting land from for use by the rest of nature into human use. So it's that's the other thing that we have to be concerned about. What this actually tells us is that when we go for uh, solutions to global warming, whether it's ethanol, biodiesel, first generation ethanol, or second generation ethanol, we need to look into the consequences of the policies that we are implementing. And it is, and, and if we don't do that, we'll end up in a situation very much like today, where the medicine is worse than the disease. We are creating a food problem where, uh, where there was one that might have happened, but we have assured that it will happen now, unless we retract. Now, I suspect that in a couple of years' time, all this will shake out and so on and so forth. But we still have to be very careful about that because uh, it is quite possible for us to roll the uh, uh, clock back 10, uh, to, uh, to 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, in terms of where the world was relative to hunger. We, slowly, we were getting on top of the hunger problem, but it seems to me that now we have been stalled. And in fact, at least in the short to medium uh, run, we are in danger of actually uh, having to go back to the bad time that used to exist. Indra Goklani is author of the Cato book, The Improving State of the World. It's available for purchase at cato.org.